episode of the Hoop Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Dion. That's your host, Mitch. And we are joined today by a very special guest. We have our friend, Nick, here from Lakers Supply. Nick, how are we doing today? Good. How about you guys? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Mitch, how about you? Oh, Dennis Schroeder's off my team. I can't complain at all. I had Respect a fantastic Dennis. deadline. Respect him. Playoff riser. He certainly was not making anything rise for me. <laughs> uh yeah um of course we're recording here on uh on deadline day in the nba so we're gonna get to all the trades that happened in the past uh 24 plus hours there's a couple we had yesterday as well some early fireworks so i want to start i want to do this you know talking about the most important trades first obviously we didn't get a kevin durant or Kyrie like last year but i would say it was a, a very eventful deadline you know i was uh on my phone all day you know, refreshing the Woj notifications. So it's a pretty fun day. It's a lot to get to. And I think we have to start with the, the oh, whoa, that's going to get it out. I think we have to start with, uh, with the Detroit Pistons. They were probably the most active team here at the deadline and probably traded the best player uh, of anyone involved in deals today, trading Boyan Bogdanovich alongside Alec Burks to the New York Knicks for a package including Quentin Grimes, Malachi Flynn, Evan Fournier, and Ryan Archidiakino. I don't know if I said that right, but uh along with along with uh two second round picks so originally this was reported as just alec burks for quentin grimes and i was extremely confused as to what the hell was going on but now that we have the full details of the trade um i I think this is one that makes a lot of sense obviously boyan and quentin grimes two guys that were in rumors a lot leading up to the deadline and and fit wise like I, i i like this for both teams i think boyan comes in spaces the floor for them which you know, not that not that they're one of the worst shooting teams in the league, but definitely if they were going to make a legit push this year for the East, you know, shooting and spacing is something that they definitely needed at the forward spot. Um, and then bringing back a a former Knicks legend and Alec Burks is nice, I guess, as well. And for the Pistons, obviously, moving a veteran for someone like Quentin Grimes, I think, is a, a pretty solid return. I have moved at the potential creation that the Knicks now have, like across the board. I was just just like yourself. I was kind of sold as Grimes being their closer, like in that lineup. So. Having Boyan, who has definitely had more reps as kind of being that, like, you know, give him the rock, get out of his way kind of guy. So I would say that as a whole, oh, yeah, like, love this for the Knicks. Now, from Detroit's standpoint, I mean, it's cool to have the expiring and Evan Fournier. And it's really cool that, you know, Grimes is another young uh, piece to, like, kind of place in and shift there. And really... The expiring salary, you already had a lot of cap space, but the expiring salary for who? Who would you like to join you in the land of the Pistons, the land of the forever lottery picks? Like, who is that max guy that you think you're alluring? I think it's safe to say that the Knicks wholeheartedly won this trade deadline, but this trade really encapsulates the Detroit Piston mentality of maybe Malachi Flynn is the answer. Maybe, uh, you know, we. Bring I don't back... think I don't really feel like there is a mentality for Troy Weaver. He's really just like kind of throwing. He just kind of does his own thing. I don't he's think there's a plan the there. Board. There's no rhyme about, or reason like, for what he does. I, I kind of I like I don't hate this deal for the Pistons. I like Quentin Grimes a lot. I think he could end up being more valuable for the Pistons than what Boyan provided during his time there. But think back to all the reports about how they turned down multiple first round picks for Boyan. That's what I was that's, about to get that's to. That's where the issue comes in. Is that The theme of this deadline offers. was teams overvaluing their players last year, realizing, oh, shit, 
we fucked up and then selling them for pennies this deadline. It's just teams that are run by shit owners and shit management stay in the fucking basement because they overvalue their players and they don't sell high. Right. Uh, although I do like Quentin Grimes. I do feel like that's a nice piece. I don't think running like Cade, Ivy, Grimes as like three guys in your backcourt is like the worst thing in the world. Like, I think it'd be fine. That's enough size overall. None of those guys are like small by any means. They're all yeah, about. Yeah, they didn't give a up. shit about defense anyway. Like, exactly. And they don't care about They don't give a shit about anything. So I think I, the funniest thing of the season is anytime the Pistons win a game, you get the, the breaking the Pistons one alert from yeah. like NBA Central <laughs> or Underdog. Wingstop. I, I cannot wait until, um, you know, you start getting visuals with this pod because I'm, I'm just going to keep mogging you because they won't be able to see what I'm doing. But I just when there's like random splits of audio and I'm just like. <laughs> it's just going to be more more fantastic for the viewers. I would like to say that and, I, and I'll stand on record if there are any Detroit fans in the group chat because there's not. We need to get one in the group chat. I want to see the mentality of these fans. Where the hell are we going to find a Detroit Pistons? I fan? don't know. I don't even know if Nick knows a Detroit Pistons fan. Like, I'm saying, you know, like, but I feel like to have to have a constant be okay with winning five games and being like, it's okay. We've got Cade. It's okay. We have Ivy. It's okay. Yeah. Like I, I just, it's it's one of those things where it's like, are you, are you like clinically insane to support this team? Are you like? The craziest part, too, is like no one really thought they were going to be this bad. Like, I feel like the consensus on the Pistons coming into the year was they'll be slightly better than last year. You know, they'll be like yeah, competitive. I, I like they'll I maybe some people compete for the play in. Like, yeah. 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 I don't think it's it, it was crazy coming into the season to say, yeah, I think the Pistons can compete for a 10 seed. I don't really no one really saw the season going the way that it did. And that makes it just so much worse. It's I, really weird. They have a better win percentage without Kate than with. Yes, they do. They certainly do. I mean, you've got uh, a six-game sample fun, size. Fun that, so that's uh, you know, Cade was involved in the 28-game losing streak. But uh, the Pistons did also make another move, though, which I think will help them maybe pick up a couple more wins. They they moved Kevin Knox and a 2024 second-round pick, along with the draft rights to Gabriel Prashida, who we'll get to in a second, for Simone Fontecchio of the Utah Jazz, a guy that was recently inserted into Utah starting lineup when they went on sort of this run over the past month plus here. And we'll, we'll get to the Jazz for a second. I don't really get the deal for them. But for the Pistons, like this is a guy who's just a solid professional, is going to space the floor for them particularly well, and just like doesn't really make mistakes. Like he's not like a lockdown defender, but by no means is he going to like hurt their defense. Not really like a playmaker, but is also like he can move the ball, you know, like just a, a, a oh, excuse me, um, a solid player that's just going to make them better and, you know, They'll win 12 games instead of 10 kind of thing, but um, I like this move for, for the Pistons here. Pontecchio is like that Christian Braun of you shove him into the lineup and he happily produces when you weren't expecting him to. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, and you're like, wait, like you're like a genuine rotation player. Okay. Maybe, maybe we could use you. And instead of, you know, doing the Utah jazz thing that I thought would make sense and hold on to that nuggets, please, please hold on to your boy, Christian Braun, please, for the love of God, hold on to him. But Fontecchio fills that void of, like you said earlier, and I'll, I'll quote you verbatim, Kevin Knox was a serviceable starting forward on a bad team. Uh, yeah, on a team that didn't have any that, other small forwards. Yeah, yeah, that didn't have any of the small forwards. So Fontecchio least, had no NBA talent at the position. Exactly. Yeah. I would at least say Fontecchio is more than serviceable. 
I would yes. say that. I would give him that especially, 10. Especially for the Pistons situation. Yeah. So I, I think, think it was more... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought you were done. I think it's just a little bit funny that people are like, oh, man, like we went from Kevin Knox to Fontecchio. And it's like, if if you have genuine like glee about that, you need to find a new fan. Yeah, Fontecchio man. should be you like do. the floor, like minimum expectation to begin yeah. with. So I think it was more so about Utah just didn't want to pay him because he was a 29-year-old restricted free agent this summer. It could have just been as simple as that. It could have been, but even then, like, and I know Danny Ainge, whatever, but but the way Utah's been playing, like, wouldn't you rather have your starting small forward rather than the 30-something or 40-something pick in this draft? I don't know. Um, True, that pick's going to be due to butt cheeks. (laughs) Yeah, like, who who cares about that pick this summer? Like, I'd rather have my starting small forward as a team that's competing and like is definitely like right in the thick of the plan right now well i know we were going to go in a different order but since we're talking about utah we might as well just talk about the olympic trade they're kind of throwing the play in i don't really think they want to be in it oh man you got mitch fucking jumping out of his seat because we're gonna I talk know. rappers way <laughs> earlier than expected <laughs> we, we, let's move anyway. to it let's move to it yeah so the uh the jazz other deal that they made today was sending uh kelly olympic alongside ochag baji to the toronto raptors for kyra lewis Junior, Otto Porter Jr., and I believe it's what the the worst of OKC or the Clippers pick this year. OKC it'll be like Clippers the twenty eighth pick, yeah. Yeah, it'll essentially be the twenty eighth pick one way or the other. Yeah, a, a good a good trade for for the for the Jazz if they're throwing the season away. I just am confused. Like nothing about the last season and a half with the Jazz has made any sense to me. I thought last year they were going to tank from the beginning. They came out and had a hot start, and we were like, oh wait, this team is actually good. Then they traded for Russ. They fall off, but not to the point where they actually had any chance of ever getting Wemby or anything like that. And then this year, it was kind of the reverse of like they didn't start off so great. Everyone thought they were going to sell. And then all of a sudden they come out with this new starting lineup and it's like, no, we're a playing team. And then at the deadline, they sell. So I don't really understand what's happening, but I, I do. I do like getting a first round pick for Kelly Olenek. That's, you know, that's good value as much as I really like Kelly Olenek. And for the Raptors, like, for one, just bringing Goatlinic home is fantastic, but it's it's a really good fit just having a spacing big with Scotty, and given you know the direction that uh that the Raptors are heading, I like taking a flyer on Ekbaji as well. But Mitch, Mitch, what you got for me? A lot of people have not talked about um the Abaji and Grady Dick connection. Kansas boys rolling deep. Now, here's the other thing that's fucking hilarious. I'm sure you've seen it. I sent it in the group chat where Abaji left behind a little note for whoever takes over his dorm room. And what do you know? It's fucking Grady Dick. That is literally, it's written on the wall. Motherfucker was born to be next to Grady. So there's that for for a little, little speculation. But as I've been doing my due diligence and watching the tape, the film, um, I got to say he's an interesting fit in toronto uh mostly because he is for lack of a better word he's more of like a smaller wing like he's gonna be like a two and that's it like he's he's not gonna be like stints at the small forward position he's gonna be a strict two so i don't know what does the long-term goal look like is he are we just taking a flyer and hope he develops you know whatever happens happens i do like the feel-good moment of having like goat linick wearing the uh red white Again, like like being in Canada, playing for Team Canada, and being in Toronto, that's just got a, a feel good moment. Like, bro's gonna walk in and be like, 
my Tim Hortons, get my double-double, get my Boston cream donut. Hey, today's going to be a fantastic day. I am a little concerned about giving away firsts, despite the first being very late. We're a rebuilding team. All first picks matter. As you much do. as I know. The, the we, Raptors will have like the 32nd pick or whatever, though. Yeah, well, we'll have that and hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll have our own this year if we keep losing. According to Tankathon, our odds are pretty damn good, but I don't want to. I don't want to count my blessings just yet, because you know, what if Olenek comes in and just starts putting up like crazy numbers and we start winning again? I don't want that. Oh, I would hate that. <laughs> Do you think Olenek is like a long-term fit there? Do you think he sticks around for a few years as the like, um, core sort of builds out? Because I, I was surprised he, he ended up with Toronto, man. Like there was a lot of contenders that were going after him. I thought. I thought for sure he was going to end up in Boston again. Oh, I would have been so hyped. I don't know how they would have made that work. They what does he make? Like 10, 11 mil? There's no it's, way he makes MLE money. I wanted the Lakers to try Gabe Vincent seconds for him. I thought that would be his market. I mean, uh, we had no. like five. I was thinking like three or four for him. I thought that'd be fair. No, no, no. He got he got himself first. <laughs> no, the Celtics had no MLE level type trades to make unless they someone wanted to take on Peyton Pritchard poison pill, which wasn't really interested in trading him anyway, personally. Oh, that's so difficult to make work too. Yeah, so, yeah, they, they really, like, my pipe dream was DeLon Wright. They throw all the minimums at him, but then as soon as they made the Xavier Tillman trade, that was over. But we'll get to that. Um, as far as the Raptors are concerned, I feel like given that, you know, they they it seems like they're going to get their own first-round pick this year, so they'll have that. Um, they'll have, I think they have multiple second-round picks. Am I mistaken, Mitch? We'll have, um, I think as it stands, we'll have uh, Detroit's and ours, I think. We'll have multiple picks here. We'll probably, the way that it stifles out, we'll probably have six, anywhere between 18 and like 21, 31, and then somewhere down the line of like 45, 50. Right. Point being, you know, you have plenty of picks. I don't think giving up the, the OKC slash Clippers pick is that big of a deal, especially no. if even just one of these two guys pans out as like a semi-long-term piece for them. Like if Ochai can pan out into like a rotation guy, or if like the spacing big with Kelly like works out and that becomes a fit, um, yeah. either way, then I think it's worth it because it's not like you need five rookies this summer anyway. No, um, no. So I think that was a good deal. Shout out to Otto Porter Jr. I hope to see him contribute on an NBA team once again. To the moon. Uh, to to conclude with the Raptors talk, just so we can get out of the way, they also moved off of Dennis Schroeder and Thaddeus Young in exchange for Spencer Dinwiddie. Now Spencer Dinwiddie has <laughs> already been waived, so. Essentially, the Raptors were just looking for expiring contracts here. Schroeder had some money for next year. I don't know what the Nets are doing. This was, if I'm not mistaken, well, okay, no, this was one of two moves that the Nets made. But I don't really get what the Nets' plan is. I mean, they they make no sense to me. But... This is what I'm saying. They don't have a plan because they are run by a shit ownership and management group. Right. Yeah, it's how, it's how you is... lose KD, Kyrie, and Harden in 16 months. <laughs> um yeah i don't i don't know like i like schroeder um a nice you know nice serviceable point guard good defender and everything but yeah i don't i'm not sure what the nets plan is um like like you said cider at the beginning of the episode schroeder wasn't doing much for toronto so to get off of him and to just clear up a little bit of flexibility for the summer i think is nice oh i just looked at the project so if they bring back emmanuel quickly under like the 25 percent of the whole cap that they kind of project mm -hmm. that'd be around they would still have 37 mil to play with. So, oh, my God. Yeah. We're getting checks notes. Clay Thompson and Tobias Harris, baby. Let's go.
Can't wait. That 2024 Can't off wait. Woo. So the next trade I want to get to is uh, the Charlotte Hornets getting active, finally moving off of P.J. Washington. Uh, the Mavericks swooping in here and getting him for Grant Williams, Seth Curry, and what is a top two protected 2027 first-round pick. Um, the Hornets are also sending two seconds to Dallas in this deal. Very nice deal for Washington. I mean, excuse me, for Dallas to get I Washington. was going to say, like, Good. oh, great deal. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wizards, Wizards made out like bandits in this one. Um, no, I think given how bad Grant Williams has been for the Mavericks ever since, I don't know. That's like, been a disaster. Game eight, basically. He was good, like, at, at the very start. Um, he had a few, like, good games at the very start, but has not been good for them this season. It's not been, been a good signing. So to flip him for P.J. Washington, someone who is going to fill the same role, like, he's just going to take those minutes right up. I, I think that's fantastic for them. And obviously, the Mavs had another move, which we'll get to right after this. But, yeah, really, really solid here to give up just one first-round pick for him. I think a solid, obviously, Seth Curry was just salary here. Seth Curry's, you know, right next to washed, essentially. I don't know. I don't love this for the Hornets, but at the same time, you can make the case that, you know, they didn't really want to pay him. You know, this pushes the timeline down future assets and whatnot. But I think I think it really shows they picked uh, Miles Bridges over him. Well, then what's the reporting that he's not coming back either? Because that's been all the wording so far. All I know is I saw he they had the Suns had a trade for him and then he would not waive his no trade clause because the uh, the Hornets had his bird rights. So I would assume they want to stay in Charlotte. Him and Rich Paul. That's disgusting. I hope he ends up in fucking Charlotte, Mecklenburg County Joe. He'd probably go somewhere more secure than that. Yeah, whatever. I, I like PJ Washington for the Hornets. I, I think that he could have been a piece that they continue to build with long term. Um, but he's gonna be he's gonna be a great addition for the Mavericks. If you thought Lively was a Luca merchant, have I got something to tell you? PJ Washington's about to be a Luca merchant. It's gonna be lob here, lob there, lob from behind my back. Cause who cares? Cause PJ Washington can jump out of the fucking building. I don't understand what the Charlotte Hornets think is gonna happen with Grant Williams. Is that really the guy that Brandon Miller is gonna have to kind of have a two man game with? What are you doing? <laughs> You can, I think, if you're the Hornets and you were determined to move off of PJ because you didn't want to pay him, you can convince yourself, like, okay, we can get a version of the Grant Williams that played for Boston as opposed to like you can sell yourself on it was just a bad fit with the Mavericks. Don't make that face to me, Mr. Slider. You you can sell yourself that Grant Williams is still a useful player. Just one, one 40 game sample in which he, he was not a good fit with a new team, a team in which, by the way, he was uh, penciled in as essentially the third best player, which is not his role. Like I, I think there's a world in which he can get back to being a good role player for a team. And, you know, that's that's kind of what the Hornets need. Like, I don't like them moving off of PJ, but if they're able to have a good offseason in terms of, like, making a good draft pick and, and starting to figure out what the hell the direction of this team is going to be, Grant can then slide in as, like, a nice fifth starter or sixth man or whatever it might end up being. Um, it just wasn't going to happen in Dallas. But I don't, I don't think you can look at what he's done so far this season and say this is now who he is. Like th- He could definitely get back to being um, the player that he was not in, in, say, in 2021-22. I don't know, man. I think if you can't I – mean, you've got – Luke is probably the be- second-best playmaker in the league behind Jokic. You can't thrive next to that guy, and you, you're playing off him and Kyrie. Well, yeah, okay, Luka, Kyrie, I mean, and what, though? Like – I honestly, maybe I'm a biased Celtics fan, but coming into the season, I saw Grant Williams as their third best player. Obviously, it hasn't worked out to nearly that degree. 
but they have nothing else around Luka and Kyrie to make that work with Grant Williams. Like, if he's I, I in, wouldn't go that far. I mean, before Kyrie got hurt for what was it, like three weeks, they were the four seed, and then yeah, because they're missing they a max like player, you're going to go down a little That's, bit. Let me push back because they were winning basically every single clutch game during that stretch before Kyrie got hurt. I mean, you because got they were Luka relying and Kyrie. on Luka they're and Kyrie great clutch players. No, don't get me wrong. Yeah, the, the, there's a reason why they were winning those games, but I don't think that's something that they were going to be able to rely on. Something that was going to catch up to them eventually. Um, I don't think that even if Kyrie hadn't gotten hurt in that stretch, I don't think they were a four seed. You know, I don't think that's the reality of this team. I don't think that they were, they're the fourth best playoff team, but I think they're better than the eight seed they are now. I, you know I, what I mean? Really, I mean, maybe now I like, I like the two trades that they made. So maybe now they are, but um, I wouldn't have said that a few days ago for sure. To, to cap off the PJ Washington talk, fantastic for the Mavs for giving up what Charlotte can only hope is a shell of that Boston Grant Williams, because that version of Boston Grant Williams is still not as, I would say, valuable to the Mavs as PJ Washington will be. So, there you go. Here, here's the other thing: is Luke under contract in 2027? Yeah, do we know no. that? Because that pick could be valuable. No, Luke is a free agent in 26. Right. So, well, no, I think he has a player option for the 26 seven year. Oh, so you, you know they're taking a flyer on maybe maybe the Mavs are bad. Now they have that pick. I mean, could have value. The other trade that the Mavs made is they landed Daniel Gafford from the Washington Wizards, swapping out Rashawn Holmes. And then they had to do a little funky uh, pick swap maneuver. Essentially, they agreed from the way it was reported, at least they agreed to send the Wizards picks that they didn't have yet um, and then later acquired from OKC. So Dallas gave up the right to swap their 2028 first round pick with OKC. And in exchange for that, OKC is giving up their pick this year which the Mavs are rerouting to the Wizards. Yeah, the money ball oh, shuffle. Exactly. So essentially a first-round pick to the Wizards for Gafford. Gafford goes to the Mavs. It was um, like their step around the Stepien rule. Yeah. Essentially, yes. Yeah, they finagled another... The money, um, the money ball shuffle is promising trade assets that you're presumably going to have. Right. So you make this trade in advance while this trade's still happening beyond the scenes. So you, you did... They were fine legibility-wise. It's just... You know, if something happened, you're like, hey, Washington, um, sorry. By the way, <laughs> something happened. I can't explain what. But can we still get Gafford? Please, 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 I like, please. I like the money ball shuffle. Shout out to Brad Pitt. This is a really good move for the Mavs, though. Like swapping out Grant, a player that wasn't fitting for them, and then getting PJ, and then taking Rashawn Holmes, a signing that was an absolute waste for them, and turning that into Daniel Gafford. Fantastic. Fantastic stuff for the Dallas. Yeah, you've given them an ovation. Great stuff. Great stuff. No, Dallas, they did really well. Very, really very good. Well. I, I still don't believe in the Mavericks, like I said, as like doing anything this year, but this makes them significantly better. Like I got to take them much more ser- seriously now as at least like a first round opponent. I, I still don't feel like this like moves any needles for them, but it does at least bring them high, to a higher level of competence surrounding uh, Luke and Kyrie with some talent. For the Wizards, like to get a first round pick for Gafford, I think it's pretty solid. You know, an OKC first is obviously going to be late 20s, but um, a player that wasn't going to be he's still pretty young, but like wasn't really in like the long term core for this team. So to turn him into some draft capital, obviously, the Wizards could use as much of that as possible. They got to completely reset this thing. So um, I, I didn't think it was too bad of a deal for them. It was decent value, in my opinion. The Philadelphia 76ers, Ooh. they landed Buddy Heald for a package of, believe it or not, Furkan Korkmaz. He's out of there. Finally. They shipped him out of Philly. The funniest um, trade to man in the history like of the NBA. Which one? He did it like four times. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. They just he requested like four trades him. over five years, and they finally, finally did it. 
for Buddy Heald, he he's going to Indiana is is Furkan alongside Marcus Morris. Uh, <laughs> pretty sure Philly gave Marcus Morris like the key of the city or something like that. A couple weeks they ago. did three weeks ago. They gave him the, three, the key to the city. That's so funny. I don't understand like, why. Why is he getting the key to the city I, in the first place? Could it could not tell you. Could not. Tell. You'd have to ask our good boy Slot on that one. Um, oh but God. there he's headed to Indianapolis uh, alongside three future second round picks for Buddy Heald. Now, speaking of Slat, he was confused as to why they the Sixers made this move, especially given that they then traded Daniel House alongside a second-round pick to the Pistons. And, of course, they traded Springer to the Celtics, which we'll get to. But I think we have to look at all of these moves that the Sixers made today as all, like, for next season. You know, like, this is a setup for this upcoming offseason where they can make a bigger move. You know, they'll have more draft picks available to trade, and obviously Embiid will be healthy. So... As far as this season goes, like, yeah, Buddy Heald does nothing for them. It doesn't really make sense in that perspective. But assuming that he's going to resign, which he's spoken about wanting to play for the Sixers in the past. So presumably he's going to resign and, you know, he'll be a part of what will be a larger move, I presume, in the summer. I am more intrigued that they were like, let's get rid of all the backups. Every single one we got. And let's just say, fuck it. All right. Maxi can play 48. Yield can play 48. We're good. I wonder, I wonder, what's the Tobias Harris contract look like? What do they do in terms of, like, bringing him back? Do they do they lowball him for, like, two years? Do they try to give him, like, a four? So actually, it was reported that they, if Paul George does not agree to an extension, they are going to push very, very hard to sign him to pair next to Maxine Embiid. Mm. That's their plan. I like that. I like that plan. I think it was Mark Stein who said that. Might have been Chris Haynes, one of those two. It, so it's not like Woj or Shams. But... That would make sense. I mean, yeah. I tell you what, Tobias is making 39 mil right now. He is not getting that this summer. Let me tell you that. Oh, no, he'll, he'll, be, not. he'll be 32. Uh, I don't know exactly when his birthday is here, but he'll be 32 coming up this calendar year. Um, I say, you see, it depends because the, the, the Sixers have maintained all this flexibility, like, they have Embiid, and then the maxi cap hold is like the only thing on their books for the summer. So they can go any direction that they want. It's really hard to tell. Just speaking on Tobias Harris as a sixer, like I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him back. Um, he's been consistently solid, never great, but never really like hurting them. One thing that Embiid has talked about a lot over the years is having continuity with the roster. You know, he's he said he doesn't want to be in a situation where they're constantly shuffling guys in and out. So Keeping someone like Tobias Harris, who's already been there for a long time, is very familiar with Embiid and like the whole system and everything. Um, I think would make sense, but obviously you can't do it at, at the number you did back in uh, in 2019. Exactly. No. The Philly thing is weird. Like they started off really good with the heel trade, and then everything else they did was just really I don't want to say stupid, but strange. Well, I don't, I'm not. I'm not really opposed. I'm, I'm not. Like, I know they they had to open up a spot for Lowry for a buyout. He's still going to go there. That's fine. I saw Woj say on NBA Today that they had put in a bid for Bo- Bojan and Alec Burks, but the Knicks just beat their bid, which is fine. I totally get that. If that's if that was their plan to get healed, Bojan and Burks, that's a great deadline. I ultimately like what they did today. I think that this sets them up nicely. They were already set up, obviously, nicely. They had all the cap space in the world for the summer, but this opens up more flexibility for them while also adding a guy like Buddy Heald, who I think makes a lot of sense. Right now, getting Buddy healed feels more in theory better than it will in practice for me. I think it's a matter of one right. of those things 
where you 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 associate the name more than you actually associate with what the production is going to be. Yeah. Have we ever seen Buddy Hield in a playoff setting? We have I not. That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. I'm excited to see him on the playoff team because we haven't yet. He's on my the point in the Pelicans. Exactly. That's my right. Because the Pacers didn't make it last year. Right. Yeah, he's never played in a playoff. My game. point being is that you're a lot of the people who are just like, oh, sick. Like this Buddy Hield trade is fantastic for them. It's like, I think you are associating Buddy Hield with a different level of production than he's actually going to give you. Which don't get me wrong, like Buddy Hield next to Embiid, like like that seems like a smooth buttery fit. But we've seen players of lesser caliber lead to the same kind of results with Embiid. So it begs the question. Is Buddy Heald that much of a needle mover on a playoff team? Well, like like Nick said earlier, it's essentially a salary dump if you're the Pacers because they got three second round picks, which I'm I am personally of the belief that I don't know. I feel like we see like second round picks included in a trade, and like in our head, we kind of just have this associated value with it, like it's currency. But ultimately, like acquiring second round picks only helps you to then use those second round picks as a trade asset. Like no one yeah. actually values second round picks for the draft up, pick itself. Up, it's literally up, just currency up, for trades. Oh yeah, the Julio gets was the 41st pick. I get it. The Toronto Raptors. You shut your mouth. Sure, sure. Right. Yes, Tony Parker was a second round pick. So was Draymond Green. I get it. But to, to only get three second round picks, like you didn't get any actual value. The Sixers didn't have to give up anything that means anything to them in this trade. And instead, they have Buddy Healed. So even if it doesn't work out to the level that we might all hope and dream, you know they really don't lose anything by taking a flyer here on Buddy Healed. This trade makes sense for Philly. I don't like yeah. the following trades. Well, I do because Daniel House sucks, and I'm a Celtics uh, fan, so I like the other one. I mean, it makes sense, <laughs> but like trading Pat Bev to the fucking Bucks that makes no oh, fucking sense. Oh, that's right. Sense. That's right. That well, makes zero sense. For campaign, he's gonna get fucking waved. He's ass. Well, Pat Bev, Pat Bev's not my cup of tea either. So to get a draft pick, Pat Bev was more productive than campaign is. Yeah, but what? And I hate, I hate Pat Bev. We're not I worried about. I don't think the Sixers aren't worried about production. I'm pretty sure he's an expiring. Maybe they decided that they weren't planning on re-signing him, and they were, just didn't want him around anymore. And they said, "We'll take a second round pick." Why they send him to the Bucks, where he actually might make an impact and help them out? I don't really get that part of it, but. I assume there was. I still a, think a the funniest market. thing today is the Pat Bev podcast tweeting. Yeah, out the fact that, that the really Pat the podcast hey, they did it two years in a row. They did it last year. We traded into Orlando. That's fantastic. And then this year had it five minutes before Woj did. That's fan. I love that. That's that's so fantastic. Um, that yeah, Pat Bev might for sure. He might make an impact for the Bucks. Obviously, they're they're desperate for some point of attack defense, and like some leadership and some like some like someone vocal, but. I don't know. Like, does he really have any impact for the Sixers right now? Does he have any value for them if, if he's not coming oh, back? He absolutely does. Oh, if he's not coming back, then no. Yeah, that's but... the, like you say. Like, I I have I'm of the belief that they just decided we don't want him around anymore. We'd rather not just play out these last 35 games. We'd rather just turn him into a second round pick and just see you later, buddy. That's well. That's here, my here's assumption. the funny thing. Doc Rivers is one and four as the coach of the Bucks. They Damn. have an old, slow, unathletic core around Giannis, and they get older. And slower and more unathletic. When have I heard you say that before? I know. And I'm getting deja vu. <laughs> well, yeah, I think ultimately I, I'm a, a fan of what the what the Sixers are doing here because I don't really feel like the trade the players that they traded away mattered to them. Like we can argue about what value they have elsewhere, but the Sixers 
for all their intents and purposes, don't lose anything by all the players they, they trade away or the three second round picks. And now they have Buddy Healed and I guess even more flexibility necessarily than they had before because of all the guys they got rid of. So it does not not really moving a ton of needles for me, but I think they come away as, as slight winners here. I would give them a B minus, which for my curriculum is a fail. But for all intents and purposes, you know, yeah, like you said, you you got rid of kind of um, assets that you wouldn't necessarily like to them. It was like trading away a molasses sandwich and a nickel and you get back <laughs> a package of Dunkaroos again, inconsequential outgoing, a nice little maraschino cherry incoming. So oh, sure, yeah. can't be, can't be upset by that. And then uh, yeah. the Pacers did end up flipping Marcus Morris to the Spurs and they got essentially, I guess you could say a buddy healed replacement. Dougie come home. Let's Dougie go. McBucket's coming home. Um, Marcus Morris, I believe, has been bought out slash waived. I don't truly understand yep. what the difference is, but yeah. So they, uh, they, bought out, you get a portion. You give up a portion of your yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. Bought out is it. yeah. You you agree to like give some money back to the team, but yeah, whatever. It's essentially the same thing as far as we're concerned. Um, Semantics. Now, yeah. now, this Doug McDermott actual like ripple might have a little more uh, kind of oomph to it than I. Th- well, he's basically well. just Buddy Heald the size. Like, I don't think he's as good of a yeah. shooter anymore as Buddy Heald is nowadays, but he does the same you'd, thing, just a little bit bigger. You'd be surprised. Right. Guess, he's guess, probably also cheaper to retain. Guess right, the percentage. Yes, guess the percentage. Dougie McDermott is shooting 43.7% from three this year on five and a half attempts a game. Just kidding. He doesn't shoot that much. He takes four threes a game Okay. and shoots 44%. So, so I was again. basically right. Yeah, you were pretty much on the uh, the money there, but you you failed to remember that Buddy Heald is actually shooting worse this year. Yeah, but he shoots more. He shoots more difficult shots, and he can do more than Shut just up. shoot. That's the difference. But no, no, no. You're, you're making mouth. you're making the correct point here that Dougie is going to have a nice solid impact for the Pacers, and he yeah. will supplement a lot of what Buddy was giving them. Like Nick said, at a much cheaper cost to retain. So sneaky like no one's got no one uh, no other podcast is talking about that trade but one that's going to be very beneficial for the pacers ain't nobody bringing it to you like this exactly man this is why you come to this podcast for the content you can't find anywhere else so um quickly i want to talk about a couple other deals that just like weren't really that important but were worth mentioning at the very least uh monte morris ended up on the timberwolves for shake milton troy brown jr and a 2030 second round pick um, I, like, I just don't feel like there's a ton of analysis here. Like, good for the Timberwolves to get a backup point guard. That's definitely something they needed. But I don't like they they got a backup for Mike Conley. Like, that's I don't know. There's not much more to say in my opinion. Um, yeah, they gambled on Shake Milton, and it just didn't work out for him. Yeah, a good gamble too. I think there's nothing. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I like the signing, and yeah, it just hasn't panned out. He hasn't been productive. Hasn't really been able to establish himself in the rotation by any means. And uh, yeah, Monte Morris, I think, is a safer bet to do that. So. As far as the Pistons are concerned, like I, uh, I remember uh, pretty early on in that twenty-eight game losing streak, Troy Weaver coming out saying, "Well, you know, we we don't have Monte Morris and Joe Harris yet." So, obviously, that had uh, no impact for the Pistons, but I do think that you know he can he can help stabilize things for Minnesota's second unit, which is something they were definitely looking to uh, to bolster at the deadline. So good for them for that. And like Shake Milton on the Pistons, you know, I don't think he's as good as Monte Morris, but I think he has the ability to make more of an impact because Monte Morris is like, you know, like Walmart Tyus Jones, kind of just like a stable floor general, like doesn't make mistakes kind of guy. 
Shake Milton's like a much more of like a dynamic scorer, I would think. So I, I could see him coming in and um, being a piece for them, you know, having a couple like breakout scoring games, maybe if they give him the minutes. I'm assuming, Nick, you have no good words for Troy Brown Jr. based on his time in L.A. <laughs> no, I mean, he's a minimum guy that didn't work out. I thought he was he had his highs and his lows. Fair. OK. Um, but yeah, that's there's not much more to say about that, but it was worth mentioning because uh, Timberwolves are. You know, I believe they actually have regained the top seed in the West, or they're somewhere in there. Like, the top four is essentially separated by half a game. So, shout out to the Timberwolves. Quickly as well, uh, the Warriors were slightly active uh, right before the deadline. They they shipped Corey Joseph over to Indiana. Um, for a second-round pick, they also sent some cash. Uh, they saved more money than they ended up sending out. Like, they sent the, the Pacers, like, three mil, but they saved five mil in luxury tax by getting rid of Corey Joseph. Uh, they now have an open roster spot that they're going to have to fill. So we'll talk buyouts uh, towards the end of this episode to see who maybe they could uh, they could be adding because they do have to add somebody. Warriors just saving some money here. I think they realized that there was no move that was going to save their season. Uh, they got to not necessarily pack it in because now Utah has sold the way that they did. There's there is a spot for them in the playing tournament. Yeah, they, there was nothing they were going to do that was going to turn them around in any meaningful way. So I think they smartly, unlike Nick's team over here, uh, save some money by making a, a nice salary cap type of move. So we'll talk about the Warriors when it comes to the buyout market, but that's all that they did in terms of trades. Uh, and now there's a, there's a three-teamer that we still have to get to, and then one other, definitely one that caught me by surprise, uh, the Gordon Hayward trade. And I'll, <laughs> we'll, I think we'll, you were going to say the Gordon Hayward trade. Yeah. Gordon Hayward ending up uh, with the OKC Thunder. Uh, for a package including Trey Mann, Davis Bertans, and their newly acquired, uh, I don't want to say his first name, V. Michich, um, as well as two second-round picks. This definitely came across timeline as a surprise. Gordon Hayward getting moved was not something I think, or that I thought that the Hornets were going to be able to pull off. I definitely didn't see OKC as the destination. But I have to say, given what they gave up, I think it's, it's a nice, like, low-risk, potentially high-reward move for them for just like a depth forward that they can add. And I mean, he's got a lot of gas in the tank. I think he's I mean, yeah, he only he plays like 30 games a year, so he should have plenty of it's, it's literally Sam Presti doing Charlotte a favor is what this was. This was Sam Presti being like, look, we got the money. You'll give us a guy. We could give you a fucking play him 28 minutes a game. Don't worry about it. We'll replace the pedophile. It'll be easy. We don't even have to sweat. <laughs> Yeah, I can't lie. One of my first thoughts when I saw Hayward going to OKC the was Giddy that he replacement. Could, yeah, he makes Giddy easier to replace, which feels like that could be the long term solution in OKC. Not Gordon Hayward, but getting rid of Josh Giddy wholeheartedly. Like I think it's terrible that they're doing an all time great like Carl Malone like this, having Gordon Hayward come in and be his replacement. Sorry, I keep getting them too confused. You know, like oh 15, 13, they're they're pretty close. Jesus, no, I think as long as he plays, which is obviously a huge if. Gordon Hayward could definitely make the Thunder better. So the thing about Hayward is that I talked to Josie, who's like the resident Thunder fan, and he said that he doesn't want Gordon Hayward playing hardly at all. Like he said, minimum, like 15 minutes a game, because he thinks that Aaron Wiggins is just a better player. And he doesn't trust Hayward mm. holding up, which I get this the, the latter part. Yeah. But Gordon Hayward could probably start for them over Josh Giddy. Like I, I, if I were the coach, I'm starting him. Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't. Like I agree that Wiggins deserves more minutes than he's currently getting. 
and them trading for Hayward makes that more difficult. But I wouldn't say he's better than Gordon Hayward. I know he's got his his flaws, especially with his durability. But if he's on the court, I, I definitely think he's he's better than Wiggins. I agree. I think he could start over Giddy. Um, in certain instances, it could make sense because he does provide like more reliable shooting at the very least. Um, teams aren't going to just like ignore him out there like some teams do with Giddy occasionally. So I think it's going to be a nice addition for them as so long as he does play. They they didn't give up anything in the rotation. I know Bertans like occasionally would get out there and, and space the floor, chuck up a couple shots, but they didn't give up anything meaningful. So if if he's able to to play for them, then this is this is a nice low risk move for them. By no means is this like a oh man like really makes you think kind of like who's going to be in that wing spot. Gordon Hayward, you know, indiscriminately is better than Giddy. So if Josie is like. I understand his perspective in terms of development, in terms of taking shots away, in terms of who you actually want going forward as part of this OKC core. It does not bother me at all to say that, like, you know, Hayward can contribute to winning more than Giddy can. Like, I can actually, I'll stand by that sentence. And I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to kind of budge too much on it. Um, I don't think that's a hot take at all because Giddy is a straight up detriment in clutch. Like, they, Teams guard him like they do Russ and Ben Simmons. You throw your center on him, and he's he's lost. Yeah, particularly in the half court. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to think the average OKC fan thinks that way too. But I have seen a lot of um, detractors for this trade anyway, like in terms of just logistically for OKC. So I don't, I don't know what uh, stance a lot of OKC fans are going to take on it. I just know that Gordon Hayward is a legitimate contributor when he's healthy. Yeah. There you go. What I like for them is that Gordon Hayward's very additive without taking away. Like you said, I get it too, not wanting to take away the development opportunities and the shots and things like that. But Gordon Hayward's not really that type of player. Like he's not coming in and being a volume scorer for this team. He's going to plug in and like fit with what they already have going on. Um, not going to be like hungry for shots necessarily. Like he, he wants to contribute and play winning basketball. So um, I, I definitely think this is a worthwhile move for them, not having to give up any of their, their chest of first round picks for the Hornets. Like, I think they got to be pretty happy to get this sort of package back for Hayward. Like I, I, I wasn't expecting them the to... Washington trade better. Honestly, when you put the PJ both Washington together, trade, right. Yeah. yeah it, I, the call for that makes a lot yeah, more sense. I, I think I've thought all season that Trey man should be getting an opportunity on a different team. I definitely think he's one of the best, you know, X number of guards in the NBA. Like I think he can be in a rotation somewhere and the Hornets obviously are going to give him that opportunity. They have very little going on right now. So that plus Michich, I think Michich signed a two-year deal, if I'm not mistaken. So they'll have him under control for next year. Uh, so they could flip him. I, I can't see him being part of you know any sort of long-term thing there. Um, but he could be valuable. Like I, I was surprised that the Thunder waited all that time to bring him over just to flip him 40 games later. But uh, for the Hornets, he could definitely have some value down the line. So that one's weird to me too because it's like he was kind of trumpeted as going to be like a a like integral rotation piece for them, and then. For them to be like, yeah, him, him, and Vizenko, yeah. him and Vizenko yeah, came over this that was, year. That one was like, the Kings guy. I can't say his name. I'm sorry. Yeah, Sasha but Vizenko, he was, I thought he was going to be like top seven, eight in their rotation. Right. Yeah. He, the way he, they were he, hyping he, him up. Playing like 15 minutes a game, maybe if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Those those two guys have definitely disappointed from what I expected. But yeah, good good move for for OKC and and Charlotte. I think I think they both come out as winners in this one. Uh, we got one more uh, prominent trade to talk about before I get to talk about my Celtics. It's a three-team trade. I believe the only three-teamer that we got for this deadline. Primarily, uh, the headline is the Phoenix Suns land Royce O'Neal and David Roddy, um, of course, from the Nets and the Grizzlies, respectively. 
Uh, they're sending out four players. They're sending Utah Watanabe, Yuta the Shooter, uh, over to Memphis along with a pick swap. And they're sending out Keita Bates, Diop, Chemezi Metu, and Jordan Goodwin out to Brooklyn. And I don't know if any of those guys are going to make the roster in Brooklyn. We'll see. Um, <laughs> but four guys out, two guys in for Phoenix, two guys that I think uh, help bolster their rotation, you know, improve their depth a little bit. Royce O'Neal, um, I was hyping him up as a trade target uh, over the past few weeks. He's maybe not as good as I was hyping him up to be uh, looking at the season he's having this year. Hasn't been uh, maybe what I just kind of assumed it was. I still think he's going to be a nice contributor for Phoenix. He'll slide in uh, into their forward rotation nicely. David Roddy, I could I could do with or without personally. Like he had his moments sometimes, like he showed some flashes for the Grizzlies during his his brief time there. But don't really expect him to be a huge piece of of what Phoenix has going on. Um, I'm surprised Utah never was. I really liked that signing when they first made it, but they he just never really played. Ultimately, I think this is a nice little move for the Suns. They obviously didn't have much in terms of assets, so to get two guys who could potentially be in their rotation, one in Royce O'Neal, I think definitely will. It's a nice little haul for them, and as far as the other, I think teams the are value, you know. the value with Royce is that you're banking on what he was with Utah, right, where he right. wasn't as overtaxed yes. and asked to do as much like he was with Brooklyn, right? Which yeah, you know, will, slotting it around their three guys, that's perfect for him. Yeah, he's yeah. a fourth, fifth option on the court, an outlet shooter. He's not somebody you want creating offense yeah. at times. I feel like he was forced into like a more of a creationist role for Brooklyn, which is weird because like from my state for, and, and this is, you know, this is as watching Brooklyn games as tedious as they were, he stuck out as like a uh, wrong time, right situation kind of thing where it's like, imagine if you replaced like Mikhail Bridges and, you know, Cam Johnson and Cam Thomas with the likes of KD Beal Booker. Like it's just, he fits the mold of, you know, it makes more sense to have him be like your fourth, fifth guy in terms of the pecking order, but great, excellent point of attack defender, great floor spacer. Would it be fair to say that like the inklings of like the Dorian Finney Smiths of the world, as well as like the Royce O'Neal's of the world that in concept, that might be worth more than what they actually get traded for. Like every time really... it's every fucking time. Yeah. Oh my god! I I really can't believe that, like that two first round picks for Dorian Finney Smith thing. Like I I want to know the validity of that because they must have been really bad. Had to be right, like top twenty protected or something. Or Or I'm thinking like maybe like the Knicks had Knicks had the Pistons and the Wizards picks, but they were protected in a way that they were almost likely never going to be first round picks. Something like that maybe, but yeah, I I don't know. That's confusing for me. The Nets, as I said, I feel like for the eleventh time now, I don't understand what they have going on whatsoever. <laughs> yes, we we all know why. Okay, but... now hold on. I I do want to say this real quick since we're talking about those two. From people I had actually personally talked to, the Lakers had a deal for D'Lo, JHS, and a swap for DFS and Royce, and they didn't do it. They would not take that deal. The Nets wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why? I mean, like it was, it was a sw- no, not a swap. It was a uh, protected first. The 29 first was protected with a couple seconds thrown in. I wouldn't have done that either. Yeah, I'm kind of on that. Phone. I would have hung up that yeah. phone on you guys so quick. Yeah. I mean, like they they got rid of Spencer. They brought in Dennis. Dennis is not if you, you're going to run into the same problem with him as the Raptors did, where he's your lead guard, playmaking for others. It's not going to go well. 
if he's the one guy. D'Lo at least can do that. JHS is a project guy. You're not really trying to win right now. You're kind of just floating there. You have time to send him to the G League or whatever. I guess it just comes down to how you value the picks. Well, yeah, I don't think that singular 2029 pick really does anything for the Nets because they need something, I think, a little bit more immediate to help them out. And they already have two first-round picks from this past summer that don't play for them. So adding Jalen Hutchifino, uh, unproven or if not worse, <laughs> rookie, is probably not what they were going after. <laughs> no, I get the logic why they didn't do it, but it's just, oh, again, overvaluing somebody like yeah. DFS where they could have got right, two right, seconds right. or they could have got at least one first for him. Yeah, no, I'm in agreement with you there. But um, ultimately, like I think... You can, uh, you can debate the offer at least, but getting something for him. And I know he's under contract for... Yeah, we'll see what they do like in the summer. I think summer. it's one more year that he has an option. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see if they can move him in the summer or at next year's deadline. But I think I think the, the Suns uh, can feel pretty good about this move. Uh, they definitely come out winners here, in my opinion. Not giving up anything too valuable. Like, I like Chemezi Metu. Keita Bates-Diop had a moment as a defender here and there. But uh, ultimately, Royce O'Neal better than those guys. So good move for Phoenix. And now... We can finally talk about my Boston Celtics oh, very briefly. I'll here be very we brief. go. There's nothing, nothing too exciting here, but uh, I am glad that the Celtics made moves. I had my my sights set on one DeLon Wright of the Washington Wizards, which I understand was a pipe dream financially to make that work. But, uh, you know, we, we can all want things. Instead, Brad Stevens, uh, he brought home Xavier Tillman for Lamar Stevens and a couple of future second round picks as well as uh, Jaden Springer of the Philadelphia 76ers for one future second. So I really like this for the Celtics because it's just extra depth. Like if these guys don't play any combined playoff minutes, that's fine. It's just I like having two extra options. Uh, Lamar Stevens was cool, but like, you know, was simply depth and nothing else. Xavier Tillman, I think, could be a legitimate option in the front court rotation. Like he could be better than Cornette or Keita in a certain matchup. Like we saw what he did. Against oh, AD, not, not in a certain matchup. I think that's like he immediately slides in as your backup big there. Well, like, there's 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 times where the Celtics like to play with a lot of size. Like they'll put Kristaps and Cornette out there together, for example. Um, and that's just sort of like the matchup they're going for. So like Cornette will still have his value. K does like a hustle big specifically, like for the rest of the regular season, will have his value. But yeah, Xavier Tillman will slide in in certain spots and like make a bigger impact than those guys. I think. Like I referenced like him against AD in the playoffs. I, I keep thinking back to that. So. That'll be good. And then Jaden Springer is like more of a flyer. Like he's he's much more improved. He has like 50 career NBA games um, four years in, like 16 G League games for some reason, which is really weird. Um, that is weird. So we'll see. Like we, me me and Mitch actually happen to be talking about Jaden Springer on the last episode. We're both big fans of his. Um, I hope to see him get some sort of opportunity to develop and become a piece because I'd be very hyped if Jaden Springer becomes like a real Celtic. That'd be pretty cool. Do you think he stays with the main team or goes down to the Red Claws? He, he will probably stay. The, the Celtics also shipped Delano Banton off to Portland for a fake second-round pick. So, Did him fucking dirty, dude. Yeah, I didn't understand that one. The Celtics have an open roster spot. They didn't have to get rid of Banton. But with that in mind, I do think they'll keep Springer around. I won't be mad if they give him the reps down uh, up in Maine. Uh, but I would expect that he he hangs around uh, with, with the main team. But we'll see. I, I just hope he gets a chance one way or the other. If you've ever watched, and I know you, you had no reason to watch uh, Jaden Springer highlights before, but I saw a lot of the Tennessee tape, and the dude is a very springy athlete. Pause on the last name reference. He's actually like, I, I think he adds like a really good backup burst and kind of a different dynamic to your yeah. current play. Yeah, yeah. Because 
it's it's more or less obviously he's not going to snuff a rotation right away but it's more or less like if you think about it down the line Peyton Pritchard was supposed to be that spark plug off the bench that kind of mm -hmm. like slides into minutes and you now have essentially a uh another kind of like dude you could potentially yeah just just a different look yeah. yeah yeah like the reason why i wanted Delon right so bad was because i just wanted them to add another guard with some size someone that like can match up well defensively in certain certain uh against certain yeah. teams because pritchard's great like i have no problem he's he's under a great contract he's been good this season um but just certain matchups like he just can't really play especially like in the playoffs like he's just gonna get picked on in certain matchups so yeah. um just to have a different guard out there that we can go to if need be obviously Derek white and drew holiday are gonna hold it down but just to have another guy and yeah jane springer like compliments Pritchard well in the sense that like he does a lot of things that Pritchard doesn't so yeah I, I think it was it's a good swing for them yeah, Sixers, mean, Sixers just moving off of him for nothing I mean yeah. I can't exactly explain that one but I think I think a not addressed thing is like you talk about big guard play Springer's 6'4 and only 21 right. he could yeah, be he's got size he could be 6'5 as soon as next year kind of thing so like if you really think about it that's your other like that's right. your perfect answer. A young yeah, yeah. flyer on a guard who could potentially could be that slasher outside scorer Absolutely. that Pritchard Absolutely. would be too. Yeah. Speaking of flyers, let's talk about the buyout market. There's uh there's quite a crop of guys who are going to be available to uh to add to some playoff rosters post trade deadline. More than I think you could say in a usual year. And obviously, this is uh the point in the podcast where every single podcast is gonna say, Oh, well, buyout market guys never do this, and then they reference PJ Brown being like the one guy or like Rashid Wallace in two thousand four. Like, I get that bio market guys generally don't have uh, much of an impact, but there's a lot of guys that that are going to be uh, some some late additions to these teams. And one we've already talked about, Kyle Lowry's most likely going to the Sixers once he gets bought out by the Hornets. That seems like only a matter of time. An ironic acquisition now that you really think about it, because the whole kit and caboodle was Ben Simmons was not going to be traded for Kyle Lowry, and the, and Philly was not going <laughs> to bing bang boom. Now circa oh, what four. A time. Now, circa four years later, Kyle Lowry is getting bought out and signed on a vet minimum to go to the Sixers. Oh, geez. Yeah. And Ben Simmons is not exactly in a better situation than that. So, yeah, I, I think Kyle Lowry, we'll see what he has in the tank next year, because obviously anything relating to the Sixers in the short term means essentially nothing. But if he's got anything left in the tank, if he can recharge over the summer and give one last go, like the idea of Kyle Lowry, I really like the idea of Kyle Lowry as the Sixers backup point guard. Um, but I just don't know if he has anything left. Like, I just don't know if he's going to be able to contribute. Um, you know, if, if he can maybe, maybe he just doesn't even play the rest of the season. Like, maybe he just chills and just like recharges his body and just goes for one more year, just a final, a farewell tour. I think I, and this is, this is me speculating entirely. I think if, if if the goal again, because we're operating under the assumption next year it be going to be 100 percent good to go, mm. no blips, no muss, no fuss. I think if you right now kind of like bring Lowry in and you and you were like, okay, Maxi's change of pace needs a lot of work. He's got a, a lot of high octane, but in terms of him stop and go and being able to slow the game down methodically, what better kind of mentor for that than K Lo, a guy who notorious is in terms of his Raptors career was notoriously known for having that kind of like long gait, slow first step, then accelerate, then decelerate. Something that, you know, you add to Maxi's bag. You're looking at like, there you go. There's your franchise yeah. guard right there, yeah. like right after he learns that. So while I don't think no matter, no no, no amount of uh, Aaron Rodgers' Zen cave visits will fix Lowry in terms of uh, what he can contribute, 
I think he's a great locker room presence for Maxi for sure. And I think even more so for him to come in and be like championship pedigree point guard, know the culture, know what it takes to win this Philly squad, largely unknown in terms of making title runs and in terms of postseason runs in general, zilch. So like, you know, you got, you got a guy coming in like Lowry for a vet minimum, who's just there to be a dog. I think that's good for the locker room. Yeah. Udonis Lowry, if you will. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think that would. That's be... disrespectful. All <laughs> it's right, it's essentially don't, what you just said. Oh, championship pedigree. Yeah, I don't think you can shoot it on the court, but it's essentially what you said. Um, I think probably the best player, just flat out talent wise, that's going to be available is probably Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, I if I was you know a team trying to win playoff series, I wouldn't touch touch him with a ten foot pole. But in terms of just playing basketball talent like i think he's the best player available so he's going um, to dallas he's at the dallas knicks game they just showed him on tv sitting behind the dallas oh, he's bench. at he's at the mask okay well that concludes yes. that one all right he's going back i here. mean it's listen the teams interested were dallas la philly in case something happened with lowry and the pelicans and then he's at the mavericks they, they basically whittled it down to the lakers and the um Mavs. Yeah, what i saw was lakers mavericks he's an but la that... kid so maybe <laughs> That but, experiment I mean, is already... If he's already at the Mavericks game, yeah, <laughs> forget about it. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, he was... Yeah, I wouldn't want anything to do with Dinwiddie if I was a competitive team. But I will say, like, if we're talking just playing basketball ability on any given night, like, Spencer Dinwiddie's probably the most talented player out there, I would say. Yeah, go to Orlando. There you go. Just have fun. He's go going to the Ma- We've already said he's going fun. to the Mavericks. I like, don't he's, understand. He's actually going back there. There would be, there'd be no quantifiable reason why Dallas would want Dinwiddie back like what the fuck I mean they just need talent I'm really of the opinion that the Mavericks don't have that much talent so getting him helps like yeah yeah yeah. I can't wait for the postseason that's what the Luca Kyrie Dinwiddie Washington Gafford lineups I can't wait for it personally (laughs) it's either he plays with Luca and Kyrie or he's playing with D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves he's playing a three-guard lineup somewhere because those coaches are stupid realistically which which version of that lineup do you think is is realistically worse? <laughs> if you really boil it down, like I can't, I don't picture Spencer Dinwiddie in a Lakers uniform in twenty twenty four. Picture that, can't do it. Can't picture Spencer Dinwiddie in a Lakers uniform, and it's gone. I just literally, it's one of those things where it makes me go, "That's cool," and then I spit on that jersey swap that Nick like posts picturing. In it's like hours. picturing the Sixers in the conference finals. Just, it just do doesn't it. happen. I can't. Yeah, just, I can't like, quantify. Just, yeah, no, I I'm literally it. like this. I'm like, I'm like, is that real? Are we in the matrix? Is this a simulation? Do I eat the silica gel to wake up? Like, what do no, I? Yeah, do? like I was literally, I was literally staring at the Sixers having a three-two lead in the second round, up in Game Six, and still no part of me was like, yeah, the Sixers are going to the conference finals. Like, no, you were like, you no, were like, no. Wait a minute, I, I remember who their coach. I was like, is wait now. a minute, something about the scoreboard. Like, that's not, that's not the right. That's gonna change. That's not right. And sure enough. Um, so yeah, I get it. I, I understand. I, I think Spencer Dinwiddie to the Mavs is a lock. Anyone else on the buyout market we think could make an impact besides the goal? Marcus Billionaire? Morris. Marcus um, Morris. I Dude, mean, he played okay. good for Philly. If he's in a limited role, I'm not saying he's got he's not gonna come in and play fucking 30 minutes a night somewhere. <sighs> Marcus Moore Mook? Mook yeah. Morris in 2024, Mr. Wentz. I don't know. Look, when Philly threw him out there this year, I will say like he wasn't the disaster fire that I expected him to be, but I don't think he's contributing anywhere. Like, where, where do you see him landing? I don't know. Yeah, I can what? see the Lakers going after him, but okay. I mean, they just need fucking talent. They're exactly. just not yeah, good. They just need bodies, man. What I about... have a hypothesis. If... Oh, Joe Harris is one, but I mean, he's 
Joe, yeah. Harris, Joe Harris is a sharpshooter who is now dull. He's a sharpshooter who's not that sharp. Yeah, he's he's pretty. Do dull. you think, in terms of actual playability, does Charlotte just play out Seth? Like, do they just hold on to him? I was and thinking, play out why Seth not? Right? I mean, he's technically they... a Charlotte kid too, just like Steph. No, I mean, I know, but his dad was a color commentator for the team. Yeah, why not? Here's here's, here's my thing. Here's my thing. At at this point. Like he's he's thirty three. What is Charlotte gonna do in terms of like, are they gonna play him the same twelve fifteen minutes that he's been playing? Would he request a buyout to go play somewhere more meaningful? Like this is what I mean. It's it's one of those moments where it's like, if Charlotte buys him out, there's a legitimate candidate. Like Maybe. there's another good rotational. Maybe player. I don't know. Oh, he's um, been so dog ass in the playoffs the last few years. Like the there's last opportunities one. he's had in the playoffs, he's been so ass that I don't really think. I don't think he's making much of an impact. I mean, if he goes back to Philly. Since they're looking for shooters and bodies, yeah, yeah that that could be a fit. Yeah, I think it's probably up to him. Like, I, I'm sure the Hornets wouldn't mind keeping him around for the vibes, but if he wants, he probably to buy wouldn't out, mind staying. He I probably mean, wouldn't, playing, but they, they, they probably wouldn't dad. mind buying him out either, just because for one, like, what are they going to do with him? But also, I'm sure they they'd love to save every penny they could. So, um, a buyout if he wanted it, I think would definitely be there for him. Um, can we talk about Killian Hayes for just two minutes before we get out of here? Go ahead. Yeah, you get two Go minutes. Ahead. Awesome. All I knew, right. I knew you were going to bring up Mr. K. I got something to say, y'all. Look, I understand. I get it. Killian Hayes is, is the laughing stock of the NBA. We all, he's the punching bag. I get it. I get it. And he got cut. But I genuinely think, all jokes aside, in the right situation, I think Killian Hayes is a valuable bench contributor for a team. I think he is not like by no means all defense or anything, but he's one of the better. He's like a very, very solid above average defensive guard. Got has good size, has good defensive instincts, is a smart basketball player in the sense, let me finish, is a smart basketball player in the sense that he can be a playmaker, like has good court vision, can make a nice pass, can get a guy open, that sort of thing. His he's issue, a smart basketball player in the fact that he's bilingual, but I don't know about anything smart on the court. All right, look, the only, the only real issue with Killian Hayes' game is the fact that he can't score, and obviously that's the more most important part of being a basketball player, but he has the rest of his game figured out. Like he can defend. He's he's adding value on the defensive end. He he's a solid ball mover. He's not someone that's he doesn't have to run the whole offense in order to to provide some playmaking ability. Do you remember Stephen A's rant about Smush Parker? He can't shoot. He can't dribble. He can't defend. He can't play. His yeah, hands are too small. His feet course, are too big. Course, yeah, that I was actually about Killian Hayes. He was just fifteen years. That's not early. see. It's not true though. All Killian right, Hayes Mr. has plenty of skill. He just struggles putting the ball in the basket. Mister Sherman. Mister Sherman. For just a second, look at me in my eyes. I'm looking at you. All right. Take the glasses look off. At, look at Jiggy in his eyes. Hey, Jiggy. All right. He's equally unimpressed by Killian Hayes. However, I will give you that, you know, other than Monty Williams having some sort of, you know, voluptuous obsession with Killian Hayes minutes, maybe in the right environment, Killian Hayes leads, impacts, potentially even contributes to winning basketball thank you that's now, all i wanted to hear now now i will say is <laughs> is golden state that exact um yes that's exactly where i was gonna go environment yeah i think so i mean obviously this current world this year is not great but the idea of him as steph curry's backup or like potentially playing alongside him for are you forgetting they have chris paul I am forgetting they have Chris Paul because I don't I don't there really care they have Chris Paul. Chris Paul has been doo-doo butt cheeks. Chris Paul Okay, but he's still better than Gillian Hayes. There's no debate about that. I'll give yeah, you that one, but 
he's also he's also 65 years old. So what was it you played, said earlier? You're comparing like a steaming days. pile of dog shit to one that's on fire. Yes. Yes. Yeah, trash, a... trash versus garbage. What's the difference? I get it. But I, I think in a role like that, because for one, they, they need a player. Like they just cut Corey Joseph. You're just telling me Killian Hayes can't contribute more than Corey Joseph on the Warriors. I okay, I'll give you that too because Corey Joseph wasn't exactly having a stellar season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he got dumped. They had to give a second round pick and cash to get rid of him. So I think Killian Hayes can make an impact there. Uh, maybe he just decides fuck the NBA, fuck the United States. I'm tired of all this slander. I'm going back to France. I'm gonna go play for fucking. Honestly, God, that's probably his team. best course. Go to it, France, train with it, Tony it, Parker, come back in a year or two. Honestly, yeah, I, I could get behind the idea of taking a little uh, hiatus from the NBA. He takes a it, it, could be, it could be his best move. Honestly, like, for one, the fact that he can't score will not be nearly as big of a problem in the EuroLeague. He can have a bigger impact over there. Obviously, the talent pool takes a step back as well. It could be the right move for him. Um, he'd be, I think he would be one of the better players in the EuroLeague. So not that I know a ton about the EuroLeague, so maybe I shouldn't say that, but... Yeah, it's I surely don't think... the guy's got to be in the top quarter of players, right? Yeah, top right. 25%. Like he, he's, he's not a total bum. Like I understand, like he's like the face of the Pistons being bad, but he is he is he is made he's made out to be a lot worse than he is because of the meme, and like yeah. I think to your credit, Mister Sherman, because I will give you your flowers on this one. I do think that the intangibles of Killian Hayes aren't exactly lost in translation for the NBA. Yeah, yeah, the, like, like he's, he's still. Yeah, he still has the ability to contribute to winning basketball. It's just whether or not that's in a vacuum of the team that is like, like he's being blamed for the Pistons' shortcomings when the Pistons as a whole sucked ass. Like, yeah, there, yeah, there, there was no bright spots about the Pistons, and yet yeah, it was all like, killing like, his. You're spot. you're blaming the guy who accidentally, you know, put a nail through the boat when there's a cannon hole sitting next to it, like. It's sure he may not exactly be the reason you're afloat, but he's definitely not the reason you're sinking. Right. Like it's, yeah, that's, it's, that's really what I'm trying to get at here is I just feel yeah. like Killian Hayes just became the punching bag for this terrible piston he situation. A scapegoat. And I, I would hate to see like, if he just doesn't get another shot in the NBA, like that would, that would be a shame because there, there's a lot of talent in that Killian Hayes. It's just one crucial aspect. He's got to really, he's got to really figure it out. And that's scoring the basketball. All right, so I, th that's enough Killian Hayes. That's plenty of Killian Hayes talk for one episode. Uh, speaking of uh, other disappointing things, though, we can transition to uh, the teams that didn't make any moves at the deadline. Uh, there were a few notable ones, obviously the Lakers. Um, <laughs> we, we, we'll, let's start there, actually. I know the whole episode, Nick's been dying to get to him. Um, the Lakers stood pat entirely at the deadline, no moves. I'll say this. The whole DeJounte whoever it was going to be thing. I'm not going to say it was a pipe dream, but it was um, It's going to be difficult to pull off. It was going to be similar to last year's deadline if they were going to pull anything off in the way that it was going to be a very complicated, unexpected type of move if they were going to be able to do anything. But if they weren't going to do that, to not at least duck the luxury tax, do anything to shake up something here, like just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't want to. They take couldn't too even much be bothered to do the bare minimum. I, I, I wanted. I gotta know what, what's what's on your mind here. I won't spend too much time ranting myself. So about a week ago, I had heard they're not doing anything. Like the most they would do is try and package Gabe with seconds, maybe go after Tyus Jones. That they had let Delos at that point ten game hot stretch. 
fool them into thinking he was somebody that they could continue to build around for this season. Obviously, anybody with a fucking brain cell knows that's not who he is. He's not a 24, 25 it is who he is guy for, for on 59% true shooting. That's not him. Yeah, he, he is that guy for 10, 10 games at a time, which is what he just did. But yeah, we all he know is that's on, not... He's on a 13-game hot stretch. Right. Which he does Earlier this year, he was on a 16-game cold stretch. Exactly. Which, yeah. You which... can't fucking trust him to know what you're going to get night tonight. You can't do it. We have a nine-year crease fucking deloading for nine years. We have the sample size. The DeJounte Murray thing, I don't think was a pipe dream so much as the Hawks ownership stepping in and saying, no, we can't look, we, we can't have this optic on us. We can't trade three picks for this guy and get one pick and one swap back and not even get Austin Reeves. Right. That was what ownership did. Yeah, ultimately. It's been reported. Yeah. It's not speculation. It's just, it's just fucking truth. The Bruce Brown thing never made any sense to me. Because you would have to trade Rui and more or D'Lo and more plus a pick for a guy who offensively doesn't fit with this team because we don't run any fucking offense. There's no yeah, sets. Yeah, Bruce it's Brown got, and it's LeBron fucking would work LA if there was a good offense ball. there, but yeah. If, if they had pieces there and they were adding Bruce Brown to it, sure, like him and LeBron, like they could have a similar dynamic to what Jokic had, sure. But there's yeah, nothing else could, going like, if on you could, If you could actually set it up so that you have an inverted pick and roll with Bruce Brown setting the screen, that'd be great. Sure. But for then what, who yeah, do you have space what? in the fucking floor? Exactly. Austin Reeves, who's shooting 34% from three this year. He's regressed. Jared Vanderbilt. Dorian no. Prince. <laughs> yeah, no, it, like, it's bad. Yeah. There's no fucking plan. And then they they leaked in the uh, last week of January that they were really considering saving three first-round picks to go after Donovan Mitchell and Trey Young in the summer. The, have- if the Hawks weren't going to deal you fucking DeJounte Murray, they're not going to deal you Trey Young. I don't I, I don't care if he's clutch, if he asks out what. He's got like three years of team control left. It's not happening. Donovan Mitchell is an MVP candidate. The Cavs are the two seed in the East, and they're 15-1 in their last 16 games. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck would he ask for a trade? And he's from New York. Both New York teams have a minimum eight picks to trade in this summer. You're going to get outbid. Right, and yeah. Then so the Lakers have, what, three first round picks they can trade this summer? We, we have... On draft day, we have three. You're not getting any of those guys. And then hold on real quick, because Chris Haynes goes on TNT while we're recording earlier, because I had the Kobe um, statue thing on. And he says they're going to go after Kyrie Irving again this summer if the the Mavs bottom out. I'm going to have a fucking stroke. This is the third fucking time we have been linked to him, and they're not going to get him. It's mind-boggling. Yeah, I don't really know what the plan is either. Let me. I wanted to ask. They you don't this. have a fucking plan. This is what I was saying earlier. Shit ownership, shit management. You make shit decisions. the uh, The answer is obvious now, but at the time, do you remember how you felt when the three team deal went down? You guys got D'Lo. The fact yes. that you guys could have just gotten Conley instead. Do you remember what I told you? Because I remember I don't. clear as I day. Don't, I don't. I don't. I said initially, if it's just Russ. For D'Lo, that's who you're getting back. That's a horrible trade because D'Lo, you can't. I mean, it's you can't trust D'Lo in the playoffs. He's a good regular season guy. He's better than Russ at this stage in their careers, I think. But he's not. He's not doing anything. It's just. It's a half measure. When they got Beasley and Van, I was like, okay, that makes more sense. I still don't trust him, right? Because he was coming off that horrible playoff series against the Grizzlies. That was the most fucking CTE basketball series. 
we may have ever seen. That Timberwolves Grizzly series. Oh, that yeah. was a Oh my God. Yeah. One, one of the ugliest low basketball IQ series I've, I've seen in, in quite some time. I mean, yeah, that <laughs> that's a, that's a historic one for sure. Yeah. I think if the Lakers could have just ended up with Mike Conley at the end of the day in that deal, they're in a much better position. They just needed stability. Exactly. That's what they needed. He's too volatile. You don't yeah, know what you're keep, getting game to game. Yeah, the, the Lakers keep, from my point of view, like making decisions, like just trying to take these home run swings. Getting a guy like Gilo, who yes can get you thirty on any given night, but could also get but you the next eight. night. He might give you six. Yeah, it, it it just tons of situations like that. Like that's constantly the route that they go, trying to take these huge home run swings. These like all in one solutions that they're going after trying to chase. And it's just well, not, not there. Okay. So like 2020, they went after Kawhi, wanted three stars, didn't get him, went with role players, won the title in 2021. They say, we're going to, you know, get more role players, lose some continuity. They, they get good pieces, but then overreact to injuries. Then they say, fuck it. Let's go back to three stars trade for Russ bunch of vet men role players around a guy who a coach who hit that's not it was not his strength you fire the coach bring in an idiot as a coach and you push off moving ross again you try and trade him for Kyrie. the nets don't want to deal because that means they lose katie they're trying to convince both guys to stay then you go for role players and continuity continuity at the trade deadline you they called it their pre-agency because they didn't have any money you go get Four rotation guys. You get Rui, D'Lo, Vando, Beasley. That's great. Honest to God, not mad at that. Yeah, it worked out. I mean, a conference finals. What I'm mad at is not a bad season. Is that they? It, it did work out, but is you could have had Conley for D'Lo. Right. You could have kept Beasley and Bomba. Jesus Christ, Bomba on their expiring contracts this summer. You have five seconds, a pick, a pick swap, and two. Let's see, they added up to about $27, $26 million in expiring money that you could have traded at this deadline. That's what the Hawks wanted, expirings at first. If they had just fucking kept them, not went to look for Tory and Prince. They, instead, instead, the plan it, was just, we're going to sign, we're going to resign D'Lo no and Rui to go get of Kyrie. Asset management. Yeah, the, the plan was D'Lo plus Rui for Kyrie because... Because they expected the Mavs to bottom yeah. out. Which is not the worst uh, thought process. No, it's not the worst idea in the world, but you can't bank your fucking team building on that. You are wasting the first healthy LeBron and AD season in four fucking years. Right. That's got Yeah, I I think they'll probably combine to play the most games that they've ever played as Lakers together. They'll both make All-NBA. They both made the All-Star game. Yeah. And it's just... Uh, it's inexcusable. The, the, the Reeves regression can't really be pinned on anyone but him. I mean, I can't imagine anyone saw that part of it coming. The Hachimura thing, I mean, I could have told you that the, the day the playoffs ended, the, the day they got eliminated by the Nuggets. That shooting stretch he had in the playoffs was not sustainable. He was not... He's not well, that no, player. here's the thing. He's shooting. Ju- he's not shooting just as well, but he's shooting at a he's similar shooting level. He's shooting just it's fine, just... no, but... His, that was never his, going his, to sustain. We himself. don't have a consistent rotation. His minutes fluctuate from night to night. He yeah. might like he's he's starting for now. He's starting, and Torian yeah, Prince it, is finally coming change, off the bench. Yeah. Prince is still playing thirty minutes, and he's playing fifteen. Rui's a rhythm player. You can't put him out there as the fifth offensive option and say, "Go get buckets." 
Go right, do yeah, what that's you what do. the Wizards did. Yeah, that's what the Wizards did. Yeah, so it made no fucking sense. Him coming off the bench is not the issue. The yeah. issue was it should have been from day one. Delo, Reeves, Vando, Ron AD. You can't help that Gabe Vincent has played all of five games. I get mm. that. Actually, no, you can't. If Miami Heat role players that came up in their system leave, they left for a fucking reason. The Heat did not want them. That's true. That's true. But this no is the second time we've been injury. burned on this. There's no telling. There's no telling though with Gabe Vincent what he actually could have contributed. Like he he just had an injury. There's nothing you could you couldn't have predicted that. Right, and I, it's I'm not mad at him. It's. But it's just they like it's just Bruce like banging Brown. your knee on a coffee table, you know. Right. They could have got Bruce Brown for the MLE. Pacers swoop in and get him. That's fine. I would have given Dennis that money to come back because you saw how effective he was. Yeah, Schroeder. Yeah, Schroeder was very valuable for the Lakers, and there's been a ton of guys. I mean, constantly they let guys go that had a good impact for them and bring. Back... They don't have asset management. Yeah, Polinka's whole thing is get get the stars. Figure it out later, which has worked. They're the fucking Lakers. They have 17 championships, 18. We're counting the in-season tournament. Whoa, whoa, settle down. <laughs> settle down. No, we're not. Whoa. Okay. So they have 17. Crazy. They get the stars. They figure it out after. But that can't be your plan in the NBA today when teams have Everyone has stars building year over year stars are everywhere yeah. the league's as talented as it's ever yeah been. that's that's really what's changed is yeah the whole get stars and figure it out later thing worked for a very very long time because it was essentially all you needed you know you had to have you know the rest of the roster filled out but now everyone has start like the spurs have a star player the pistons yeah. i mean you can say what you want about cade whatever but everyone has star players you have to have the rest figured out what what the Hawks have going on? They have way more talent than, you know, what what they've actually been able to produce. But clearly, like they brought in Quinn Snyder, that didn't do it. Like they need a new mix in there. I I don't even think the Dejounte Murray trade was some sort of disaster or anything like that. Like I feel like a lot of people are trying to paint it. Like the pairing doesn't necessarily like they don't really make each other better, but the pairing is fine together. Like it's still two high caliber guards. But right. The mix, like. The, the the Capella Congo thing needs to end. It's 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 honestly like I'm more frustrated with that than I was with Sabonis Turner, and that drove me that drove me up a wall. And this this is worse than that. Like that needs to be split up. Um, the, the DeAndre Hunter thing is is a disaster. AJ Griffin just hardly plays anymore, which I don't get. Um, there's a lot of Kobe Buffkin. Kobe love, Buffkin though, can't he can't get any chances with the big team. He's always yeah. yeah there the there seems to be a lot of love for Kobe Buffkin. I haven't seen his game a ton to really comment on that, but. Yeah, he gets no minutes. So just the the mix needs to change. Like there really needs to be a, a roster shakeup, regardless of whether you think they're they're buying or selling with the moves they end up making. They just need different guys in there. It's just clear like that if it's, I run told its course. You, it's run its course. If I just told you without knowing how they play, you've got excuse me, Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, Bojan Bogdanovich, Anyeka Kongwu, and I mean, Capella, Sadiq Bay, like a lot of guys that you would think that you like. Capella hasn't been good basically since the conference finals run. I still think he's been okay. I mean, he, he's been fine. He just he's been, been serviceable, but not in that contract. We used to, yeah, he's there was a time there money. was a time we were calling him Clint Chamberlain. He's no longer that. But like, I would like to see a Kongo get the starting minutes over him. But I still think he would have a lot of trade value. For example, like I don't get why they didn't move him. They waited too long to trade John Collins, and then he had. 
no value whatsoever. So they salary dumped him. Yeah. Trey, Jalen, Akangwu, that trio, like those guys play well together. You look at the numbers, they play well together. You watch it, you can see it. Like that's that's a nice trio to, to build around. Everything else, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. they can move on from. Like if you're not getting good offers for DeJounte and the optics of trading three first round picks for him and then moving on from him for one or two, fine, keep him. But I don't know, man. I just need to see this team shake something up. It's just not working. I can't watch them be a ten seed anymore. It's just overdue. It's well overdue. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what they going want. going. Actually, all I do the know what they back. want. They want the chance to get play in and playoff revenue, an extra game. That's yes, is, is yeah. What they care about. But going all the way back to I think it was the twenty twenty offseason when they signed Gallo and made all those vet signings early. Uh huh. None of it made sense, and now it's. I think this is maybe not even the end result. We'll see how long they keep kicking the can down the road, but. This is what I happens. don't think they know how to build around Trey Young because he ha- he's so polarizing. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't think you can. That's me personally. I don't, unless he changes how he plays, like you just it's just not going to work. But I don't disagree. Yeah, that's 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 my take on the Hawks. I just I I, I can't keep seeing I can't keep watching them doing what they're doing. It's other teams I didn't make I'm a deal. Through. I think we have to mention the fact that the Bulls have now gone thirty straight months without. A, uh, a player related transaction it's uh it's pretty mind blowing i mean think about what the bulls have gone through in the it's, last 30 months for them to have made no changes after everything that's happened to them in the past two and a half years i mean that it's wild shout out shout out our boy zach i don't i actually saw a report that bulls ownership approved of a rebuild and their GM said, "No, I like the roster we've got. We can make this work." You saw, you saw Vuce's quote that he thinks they have enough. Uh-huh. He didn't specify yeah. what he thinks they have enough for, but he thinks they have enough. So, Shams said they want to bring Demar back long term. Yep. They didn't trade Zach Levine before his foot thing, but they came close with the Pistons apparently. Uh, Vucevic, they that. gave a three-year contract to. I want to say. Yep. And uh, they talked to the Warriors about trading Caruso and asked for Kamingana first. As they should, dude. I think the whole, like, I, I see reports about the Bulls want this and that for Caruso. And all the comments are, like, laughing at the Bulls. And I, I'm in agreement with the Bulls. Like, I wouldn't just be willy-nilly moving Caruso for a first-round pick like he's just some role player. Like, to me, he's... I don't think he's as good as Derek White, but he's in that same echelon of like a just super elite role player that you're not just. He's better off. defensively, not as good offensively. Yeah, 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 for sure. He's not someone you're just moving off for assets. Like that's a legit dude. Like that's a real right. moving type of guy. Like you're not just moving him for some random future first and random salary. Like I, I'm not mad. No, at all I I agree on that. Not trading you need to get value for somebody like that. I mean, he was a DP. He's a defensive player of the year candidate last year. That's a little bit of a. He's always an all defensive guy. Yeah, always all defense for sure. Yeah, yeah. That that part of it, I'm not mad about. But like, I don't know, like an Andre Drummond or Tory Craig, you couldn't have grabbed a second round pick. Something just the fact that they haven't done anything in two yeah, and you, a half years. Andre Drummond, they're saying we could get a first round Drummond, and you don't fucking trade him. Yeah, I don't know about all of that. I don't know about all of that. But they could have grabbed just something. Don't, they don't have a plan. They haven't had a plan since Lonzo got hurt. Yeah, essentially, yeah. As soon as Lonzo went down, everything they had going on. Just came to a, a halt. So uh, the Kobe White thing has been great, though. So, you know, maybe they can take that in a direction. But Zach Levine going down for the season just makes the matter so much worse. I would have loved to see him go to the Pistons because 
I don't think it's a terrible fit for him. Like he, that's a situation where he's helping a team at least. Um, but for the Bulls to just get off of him, man, and just kind of start fresh in a sense, because even just to move off of his salary, even if you keep DeRozan and Vooch around, like those are still solid bets. I don't think they're helping you like win multiple playoff rounds, but I don't know. The Bulls, similar to the Hawks, really, like they're just they're stuck in the middle, and it, it's just that that playoff revenue is just too tempting for those owners, and they won't just reset. Although, like you said, yeah, I guess the Bulls won't. ownership did even, agree like, to reset. Even the playing games, it's good money because it's considered a playoff game. Yeah, there is extra revenue from that for sure. Yeah. Any other uh, teams that didn't it, make moves just, that you think we got to talk about? Oh, PJ, the PJ Tucker thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He. Uh, that was weird. He wanted to trade. I don't know if he realized that he makes eleven mil, which is like eleven times as valuable as he is. Um. So that was never going to happen. And then but they're also he, not buying him out. Yeah. Now. He. But he reportedly didn't want to buy out. So he was asking them, please trade me to a contender. Obviously, they weren't able to facilitate that. And then he said, well, all right, I'm not giving you money back, though, to go play for that team. Because he could have he could have just said, OK, here's and then he put on his Instagram story. This shit, this is fucking bullshit or something like I, I don't know. You like, if that? you really care for one, I don't really think P.J. Tucker, like maybe he goes back to the Bucks and, you know, he could do something there. Maybe that was the plan. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. But like, I don't know. If, Once if again, really... old, slow and unathletic for Doc Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right yeah so like if you're pj tucker and you really want to play on a, a contender that bad give the clippers back two mil and like i don't know you could have just given back whatever the bucks were going to sign you for and then just done that like th- it was reported that he did not want to buy out so the fact that he wasn't actually willing to go play for a contender i thought was just funny he he got a nice bag and i guess rightfully so he's not willing to give it up can't really fault him Oh, the Heat didn't. Oh no, they got Terry's here. Yeah, he got Terry, so they they weren't gonna do too much else. Yeah, I I think we've uh, we've pretty much covered. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. So who do you think who do you think's the winner? Is is the Knicks getting Boyan? I feel like in totality of the deadline, it's gotta be the Knicks. If you like, including the OG trade. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You throw substantial upgrade. Yeah. For sure. For sure. That's Uh, just based off today. I would go Dallas. Yeah, that's fair. They got two. They got two. I think. Two major upgrades um in the front court, which they needed. Yeah, that, that's a good call. Yeah, I think that I think that's pretty much it. Like Yeah, I think we covered all our bases. So yeah, I think that wraps up for this episode. Uh shout out to Nick uh for coming on today. Make sure to give him a follow on Instagram at Lakers Supply for all of the worst mock trades you've ever seen. We'll see we'll see oh, what gotta, you got cooked up for us. Now. now that the trade deadline's passed, we'll see what else you got cooked No, up. you know what? I think the first thing I'm gonna do is make a fake trade for Kyrie again this summer. <laughs> no, actually, I, it might be Donovan Mitchell because I oh, had that man. one ready to go. And then as a joke, obviously. Oh, but fuck man. it. You know, it says that's their goal. Maybe I just do that. Or I could do Trey and DeJounte together. I got options. <laughs> I got options and no mental stability. So, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. that'll do it for this one. Nick, thank you for your time. Mitch, you as well. Um, That'll do it. And we'll be back again next week with another episode. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Oh man, if Killian Hayes is a warrior, I'm not gonna be upset because he's. I would fucking cry. That would be so funny. <sighs> no, that dude needs to go to the fucking. And then everyone's gonna league. have to. Everyone's gonna have to fucking eat shit when he's actually good. And people are like, "Oh, I was just commenting that because everyone else said that." I don't actually watch the. Pistons. They're not. He's not. He's not gonna be good. 
Yes, he is. He's not. Yes, it he does is. not matter. Yes, he is. You could give you him, could put him could... on the fucking ninety six bulls, and he would still take down their net rating. That's cap. He's better than Ron Harper. All right. Um, you know what? Oh, we're Bonnie still recording. Shut the fuck up. <laughs>